Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by MyBookie. Go bet with MyBookie. Sign up at MyBookie.ag and use promo code Gators and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus bet with my bookie. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. All right, it's homecoming, and the Gators are back in the swamp versus the Missouri Tigers. Both teams looked to bounce back after losses last week, and joining me to preview this matchup from PowerMizzou.com is Gabe DeArmond. We'll get his thoughts on everything Missouri ahead of this SEC East showdown. Before we do, remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on NewsForJax.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News for Jack sports team. That's newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Also listen to iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and Spotify for Gators Breakdown. And when using those services, please share, rate, and review the show. And on social media, follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. All right, Gabe DeArman of PowerMizzou.com joining me right here on Gators Breakdown. Gabe, thanks for joining me here. No problem. Thanks for having me, David. All right, here we go. I'm, you know, I'm sure the biggest question uh, around the Missouri football program right now is how does Missouri bounce back after that Kentucky game, you know, a, a game they could have, should have, would have won? Yeah, that is uh, definitely the biggest question, and and we're not going to know until probably, I'd say, you know, late first quarter on Saturday. I, I actually find it pretty interesting. I think it's a lot like uh, Florida's game here last year. You know, a lot, of people, a lot of people didn't give Missouri any credit for that win because they said Florida quit. I said, but I don't think Florida had quit coming in. I think Florida quit when Missouri got up a couple scores. I think they laid down at that point. So this Missouri team has two ways they can go. They can either come up, come out and say, hey, we're two plays from, from being 6-2 and two and top 15 in the country, and we can play with anybody, and we're going to fight and all that. If they come out and, and Florida gets up 10 points early, they could roll over and die. And if they do that, there's a whole bunch of questions that open up about this team. I mean, I have followed Missouri football for, you know, whether it was growing up as a kid or, or as a student or now covering it for probably 30 years. And I got to tell you, that that is as gut-wrenching, painful a loss as I can remember a Missouri team having. And that is saying something because Missouri has some in its history. 
Absolutely there. So four and four overall record and the and the four losses have come in conference in the SEC. You know, two really close ones in a two point loss to South Carolina and a and a one point loss to Kentucky last week. Uh, is there a message this team can compete even though the record isn't where it was expected coming into this season? Well, it's the message that Barry Odom and Drew Locke certainly are selling this week. I mean, uh if you take uh take out Alabama because I don't count that because nobody's gonna beat them, but you take Georgia South Carolina and Kentucky. Missouri lost those three games last year by, I think, 49 points. Uh, they lost them this year by 17. Um, so they're a better team than they were last year. But at some point, improvement has to translate to wins. Like, coaches don't get hired and fired based on you tried hard and you're getting better. Coaches get hired and fired based on did you win. And um, Missouri really has lost two games it should have won. I mean, the South Carolina game, they outplayed South Carolina most of the day and, and just made some boneheaded mistakes at the wrong time. And then the Kentucky game, I mean, they had dominated that game until Lynn Bowden returned a punt with 518 left, and, and that flipped everything. And then Missouri just melted down in the last 230, really, offensively and defensively. Um, and then, I, look, I, I don't want this to come off as homerish, but a lot of people will make the argument, even with zero on the clock, they won that game. There was a pass interference penalty that – Unless you were just a guide-in-the-wolf Kentucky fan, I don't understand how you look at that and believe that was defensive pass interference. So if I'm Odom, I'm, I'm going to my boss at the end of the year and going, whatever my win total is, add one, because I think I won that game. Yeah, absolutely. And then the uh, and then the Kentucky touchdown pass, you know, pretty pretty nice push off there too. So yeah, that one I didn't have as big a problem with. I mean, it's a push, but most people don't call it there. The yeah. problem is the play before, most people also don't call that. In fact, I would say – 98% of people don't call that. All right, of course, the offense starts with Drew Locke, and, and the talk coming into this season was you know, getting better against the better teams on the schedule. As we mentioned, 0-4 in conference, but is it really all on the shoulders of Drew Locke? It isn't, but you know how it works. It is um, because he's the quarterback. Um, I thought he actually played a, a pretty decent game against Georgia. Um, they got beat, but, you know, he played all right in that game. He did not play well at South Carolina, but a quarter and a half of that was played in a, like a rainstorm of biblical proportions. He didn't play well against Bama. Nobody plays well against Bama, but he was bad against Kentucky. Um, he also didn't get any help. Emmanuel Hall, his best receiver, has missed the last four games, um, and really the last five, because against Georgia he was on the field, but he was targeted once. He was only a decoy. They – they think he can come back this week. It's, it's obviously not going to be decided. I mean, people ask every week, is he coming back? And I say, well, what they tell us on Tuesday doesn't matter. We'll see on Saturday if he's out there. Um, and it doesn't seem like, to me, Emmanuel Hall is a player that should make the difference he does in Missouri's offense. Like, he's a good player, but this isn't the best receiver in the country or anything. But when he's been on the field, Missouri's offense has been really good. And when he hasn't been, they've been really bad. And that's not just this year. That goes back to last year, too. All right, and, and, and um, extending the offense here, the three-headed monster at running back with Larry Roundtree III, Demaria Crockett, and the true freshman Tyler Beatty here, and, and that group averaging 5.2 yards a carry, uh, the, the three of them. Is the success of those guys um, that, that they're having, is it a surprise for this team? I don't think it's a surprise. Tyler Beatty's a surprise. I mean, I don't think anybody expected him to, to make the contributions he's making, but Crockett ran for a thousand as a true freshman two years ago. Larry Roundtree had 700 as a true freshman last year. So most people expected that to be a strength of this team. Now, the interesting thing is if you look at Missouri now, everybody says it's Drew Locke and, and that's the strength of the offense. I don't agree. 
they're a better running team than they are a passing team, to be quite honest with you, because Missouri's receivers have trouble getting open against some of the better um, defenses that they've played. And Albert Okwe-Bunam, who is, you know, a potential early entry NFL guy, like, outside of the Memphis game, he hasn't been very good this year. He, I think the biggest issue with Missouri's offense is he just hasn't been what we thought he was going to be outside of that one six catch 159 yard game against Memphis and so it's kind of taken away that that thing Drew Locke always knows he has it, it really hasn't been there and then um the offensive line of course all five starters back I remember previewing Missouri before the season started and you know that was an aspect of this team that you had the light coming in as I mentioned the top three backs averaging over five yards a carry and also this group only giving up 10 sacks so far this season so this offensive line has definitely lived up to the billing um I'd say it's good. I don't think it's great. Um, Kevin Pendleton, the left guard, has been in and out of the lineup with an ankle problem. He's been okay. Uh, Paul Adams, the right tackle, has he struggled some. I mean, Josh Allen – and, look, I think Josh Allen from Kentucky is the best defensive player in the league, if not the best defensive player in the country. So there's no shame necessarily, but, but he ate Missouri alive in the second half. The offensive line is good, but – I, I on our site before the year, I told a lot of people, like, I don't think this offensive line is as good as you think. Because when Josh Heupel came in three years ago, like, he installed the, the hurry-up wide scheme he did in large part because he was worried about his offensive line. And the numbers look really good. Like, they don't give up very many sacks. and They don't give up very many tackles for loss. A big part of that is also they don't hold the ball very long. It's the scheme. So I, I don't want to discredit the line. I think it's a good line, but I don't think it's a great line. Got you. Gabe DeArmond of PowerMizzou.com joining us here on the, on the Rivals Network, uh, joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. Of course, let's move to the other side of the ball here. And the name of late, uh, Kale Garrett, the linebacker on a tear as of late. Uh, really strong game against Kentucky. Uh, career high, 14 tackles there. Uh, 10 plus tackles in three consecutive games with 37 tackles, 25 of those uh, being solo tackles. So this is the guy I think the Gators are going to have to point out uh, when, they, when they line up on offense. Yeah, and, and you didn't even mention what I think the most impressive thing Kale Garrett's done the last three weeks. Missouri stopped Kentucky on four, fourth, and two or less last week, and Kale Garrett was in the middle of all of them. Um, wow. That's tough to do three times in a game. He played really well, um, has been playing really well. Therese Hall has played pretty well when he's been on the field. Uh, it, this is an interesting Missouri defense, and this is not like hindsight. I was saying this in the middle of the South Carolina game. Will Muschamp was running a lot on first and second down. I said, I don't get it. I, I don't understand why you're lining up trying to run on this team because they're actually really good against the run. I mean, they held Benny Snell to 67 yards. I don't think anybody else has done that this year. But they gave up almost 300 passing to Kentucky. Like, if I'm facing Missouri, it, this is not an exaggeration. I would drop back and throw on every down. Like, because – you don't run that well against even Georgia and Alabama. Like, they got some yardage, but they didn't run as well on Missouri as they run against most other teams. But Missouri just cannot stop the pass. They, they have very little pass rush. They don't cover all that well. When they are in position to make a play, they usually don't catch it. I mean, the pass defense has been as bad as the run defense has been good. Yeah, okay, you were bringing me to my next point there, and I was wondering, how, how do you see, so I guess you do see this Florida team, you know, Felipe Franks, and not the not the best uh, last two games here, and actually turning the ball over. Against Vanderbilt, he threw for a career high, and then uh, had a terrible performance against Georgia, four turnovers in his last two games there, but you're still seeing that uh, Florida should try and get Franks in the groove and let, and let him pass the ball in this Missouri defense. Yeah, I mean, on the surface, I look at this matchup and go, 
You know what? If Missouri can just score, I, I said this going into the Kentucky game. If Missouri can get to 24, they're going to win this game because Kentucky can't score with them. And I kind of look at Florida and you say they don't have a great offense. They don't really throw the ball very well. Their strength is probably running the football on offense. So that's a decent matchup for Missouri. But I've seen far worse quarterbacks than Felipe Frank light this defense up this year. I mean, like I said, Terry Wilson threw for 294, or Kentucky's quarterback threw for 294. Gunnar Hope came in for a little bit. Um, David Blau from Purdue, now he's a good quarterback. They've got a really nice passing game. He threw for 572 yards against Missouri. Uh, Michael Skarnecki, the backup at South Carolina, had 250 and two touchdowns. Like, you can just write down 250 for, for an opposing quarterback against Missouri. That's actually not a very good game if you only throw for 250 against Missouri. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of Gator fans, you know, many out there, not the the best confidence in Felipe Frank. So you're making some of them feel better out there, but you know, it's, it's still all got to play out uh, uh, when uh, Missouri and, and Florida meet on Saturday. So, Gabe, what's the kind of message for Barry Odom right now in his future? Is there is there any hot seat talk if there's anything that goes wrong? You know, this season, Owen four in the SEC right now. After the winning streak to end last year, you know, there was a lot of kind of, I won't necessarily say hype, but, you know, a lot of positive mojo around the program. Uh, how big is this Florida game and, and the rest of the season for Barry Odom right now? Well, it's huge. I said coming into this year, the, the bar for success for me for Missouri was eight wins. Because eight wins not only was a step forward from last year in Drew Locke's senior year, Terry Beckner's senior year, Therese Hall, you know, some of these guys that are leaving, but it also means you beat a good team. You, you, the knock on Missouri is, yeah, they beat the bad teams, but Drew Locke is now 0-9 against uh, ranked teams. I think – I don't know this number exactly, but there's something like 116 against SEC teams that finish with a winning record. Um, they, they beat Arkansas in 2016 in the last game of the season, but every other SEC win they have is against uh, – is against teams that finish the season with a losing record. So this is their last chance. I mean, their last three games are Kentucky, Vandy, and Tennessee – I'm sorry, uh, Tennessee, Vandy, and Arkansas. And, like, if you win those games, you're 7-5, and 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 7-5 doesn't get you fired at Missouri. You know, it's not great, but it's not terrible. Um, It's probably going to keep everybody around. But if they finish 7-5, and their best win at the end of the year is Purdue that might make a bowl game. And and so it's, again – yeah, you you got seven wins, but teams schedule seven wins these days. So that's why the Kentucky game was a heartbreaker. Had they won that game, like I, I legitimately with six minutes left in that game, had the sentence written, ready to post on our board, we can quit talking about if Barry Odom's coming back next year because he is. That That's over now. And then they lost that game, and it's not over. I mean, if you read my Twitter mentions, if you read my message board, nobody's talking about this game. Everybody's just talking about so who – how soon do they fire Odom? Who do we get? And I understand that's fans. Um, I get a little bit jaded because I deal with the diehard. So I don't think most people necessarily feel that way. If he, if he manages to win four, three out of these last four, he's, he's going to stick around. But if he can win the Florida game, again, the talk goes away. If he goes down to beat Florida, then it's, okay, guys, this is a team that's two plays from being seven and two and really good. They just won a game against a ranked team on the road. But if they don't, you just kind of get to the end of the year, and you just go, I, it was fine. It wasn't good. It wasn't the worst. It was better than last. But you don't really know where the program's going. Right. And uh, one last question before I let you go here, Gabe. And a name uh, Gator fans were so familiar with coming into this season, and Derek Dooley being the offensive coordinator at Missouri. Uh, how, how's that transition been been going so far? You know, we, we've talked here about the, the offense, but, you know, um, if, you dive, if you dive deep into it, you know, is there, is there, is, is there 
approval rating or is there disappointment in, in what Derek Dooley's been doing so far? If you'd asked me at halftime of last week, I would have said the <laughs> approval rating was very high. Um, then they went eight straight drives without a single first down. And the approval rating, is, and they, by the way, threw the ball on third and two to allow Kentucky yeah. to keep a timeout. Uh, the approval rating after last week is not high. Um, he's done a good job. Uh, it, you know, it hadn't been perfect by any means, but, but he's been good. Um, Missouri put up 29 on Georgia. I mean, they put up 35 on South Carolina, which should be enough to win an SEC game. Kentucky game was bad. I think I still think people undersell how good Kentucky's defense is because it says Kentucky on their jerseys. If their jersey said Florida, everybody would understand how good this that defense is. Uh, but they still shouldn't hold you without a first down. You know, this is a big test for for Dewey and the Missouri offense, and that's what this game comes down to to me. Is just can they figure out the offense and score some points? Because if they do, they're going to give themselves a chance to win. But if they come out with ten, you know, they're in big trouble. All right, Gabe DeArmond, uh, PowerMizzou.com, joining me here on Gators Breakdown with a terrific preview of these Missouri Tigers. Gabe, thank you so much. No problem. Have a good one. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard me talking about this for weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines. So whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting with my bookie. There's so much to bet on. College basketball tips off with Kentucky, Duke, and Michigan State, Kansas. The Cowboys and the Eagles play what could be an NFL playoff elimination game. We also have college football, NBA, and NHL. MyBookie has been in the business for years, and they've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. Sign up this week, and MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Also, make sure to follow MyBookie at BetMyBookie on Twitter or Instagram. They will personally respond to every mention and DM, not to mention that they've given away nearly $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to MyBookie, use promo code GATERS, and you will get your first deposit match 50%. That's promo code GATERS. You play, you win, you get paid with MyBookie. So what are some things to look out for as the Gators host the Tigers? Uh, first of all, guys, I think Florida needs to establish the run, but it, like, as we said uh, in the interview earlier, it might be difficult to get this going. Uh, against one of the nation's top rushing offenses last week, Missouri proved why its run defense uh, continues to be one of its strengths. Uh, Missouri limited to Kentucky limited Kentucky to just 2.6 yards per carry on 35 attempts, holding uh, the, the Wildcats to just 91 yards on the ground. That's uh, Kentucky's second worst output of the season on the ground. So. Kentucky entered last Saturday averaging 5.3 yards per carry as a team, only 2.6 uh, on Missouri last last week. And uh, so, you know, over the last 15 games, Missouri is limiting opponents to 3.28 yards per carry and held seven of its opponents to fewer than 100 yards during that 15-game stretch. So while it would be nice to see Florida get Scarlett, P. Ryan, and, and Pierce going, Florida may need to get creative in the run game, and also Franks is going to have to hit some passes uh, to open up this Missouri uh, defense. As we mentioned with Gabe there, you know, th he thinks there's going to be some chances for, for Franks and this Florida passing offense to get going. And uh, the Tigers have given up at least 200 yards through the air in each of the last six games. So you have to think Florida can get enough out of the run game if Frank gets 200 yards. And if, if that happens, I think you have to like Florida's chances if, if we get that run game going like we know they can and France gets around 200 yards passing. So, you know, as long as the game isn't a shootout, then 
should be enough for Florida to win if the, if the game plays out that way. And you heard Gabe and I talk about him. Missouri junior linebacker Kale Garrett is the player the Gators must account for. You know, coming off, as we mentioned, that strong performance against Kentucky last week. He had that career-high 14 tackles to lead Missouri's defense, posted 10-plus tackles in three consecutive games. Of his 14 tackles last week, three came on those huge fourth-down stops that uh, Gabe brought up. So, yeah, on the year, Garrett's now fifth in the SEC with 69 tackles and, his four, and 48 solo tackles. So that ranks second in the league there. You know, over his last three games, he has 37 tackles and 25 of those being solo tackles. So, Kale Garrett, <laughs> keep an eye on that guy when Missouri's on defense. Gonna have, he's going to be a handful for that Florida offensive line. Uh, so, you know, it's what we got to see, you know, I think Florida get creative when they run and run, when they want to run the ball. I think they're going to have to get a little creative in, in the run, and I'm not sure they can just sit there and, and pound it straight at Missouri in that defensive front there. So, Earlier this week, I mentioned the lack of sacks this Florida team uh, has the last two games. And the worry here is it might be tough to, to get going versus Missouri. As I mentioned earlier, they've only given up 10 sacks all season uh, on, a, on a line that's returned every starter. So you know they, they can keep you off balance because they can run the ball at five yards a pop. But uh, Missouri has also surrendered just 35 negative plays through eight games, ranking that, and that ranks 14th nationally right now. So it is going to be uh, – the way you look at these numbers, you know, can Florida get something going uh, with that defensive uh, pass rush? You know, not necessarily getting sacks, but at least get some more pressure than what we've seen uh, the last couple weeks. Did okay against Vanderbilt, but last week, uh, you know, Fromm had uh, all day to throw uh, for a lot, for the good bit of those plays, and especially on third down. So you don't have to get to the quarterback, you don't have to sack a lot, but at least get back there and make him think twice about uh, the pressure that could be in his face. So. Missouri allowed just four negative plays last weekend uh, versus Kentucky. But still, uh, looking at that game, Missouri had no first downs in the second half on eight drives. Locke was only 6 of 11 for only 35 yards and sacked twice uh, against Kentucky. So that Kentucky defense is, is very good. Uh, and Florida will look to do more of the same and, and get back into a groove of pressuring the quarterback. It's going to be tough with the, the scheme Missouri runs and getting the ball out quick. But Florida must do a better job that pressure in the quarterback than they have the last two games. So get, get, get Locke to play like he has versus the rest of the SEC this season and has been the case throughout much of his career as he struggled versus SEC teams. And no different this season so far. 68 of 137, averaging only 183 yards per game, one touchdown, five interceptions, and 0-4 versus Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, Kentucky. That's the stats in those games in the SEC. So, you know, you would think Florida has a good chance here <laughs> at uh, keeping something similar going uh, with, with, with their uh, with their defense and how it, how it should work out. So, there's just some uh, there's just some good to great defenses there. But but Locke is supposed to be a top NFL talent, and he uh, just doesn't show up in conference play, especially so far this season. So the Gators need to continue that trend and, and not look similar to the performance of last season when Locke went. 15 to 20 for 228 yards, three touchdowns. This is a much different Gators team this time around uh, than the game uh, last year. So, with all that said, with all that said, you know, while I, I don't like some of the matchups that Missouri brings to the table in this one, their struggles versus SEC teams is quite noticeable. You know, this Gators team has been able to bounce back after the first loss of the season against Kentucky this year, and then almost every situation in game as well. And I like you know the Gators to bounce back here as well. 30 to 20 Gators is what, what I have it. I think the game plays out a lot like the Vanderbilt game eventually. 
uh, but more uh, due to a slow start and not turnovers. I think the Gators will try and rely on the run game, but eventually Franks will have to hit some throws, and I, and I think he will. Um, but I think Missouri will stay within about 10 points the, the whole game or so, uh, but never really threatened to win the game. Locke would hit a couple big throws, nothing consistent. Uh, now, <laughs> with this, I am banking on C.J. Henderson being back healthy for the most part, Stewart playing, and maybe even Edwards getting more snaps uh, back there in the secondary. And if not, matchup could get a little bit of sh- a little shaky. But 30-20 Gators is how I see it uh, ending up, and uh, Florida keeping Drew Locke under control uh, for most of the game there. So should be a good time homecoming in the swamp. And let's take a look around the SEC here and all the other games going on before we get off here on Gators Breakdown. Big week, big week here. Uh, noon, Texas A&M and Auburn. That uh, should be pretty good game, I think. Uh, Texas A&M, can they bounce back uh, after the Mississippi State loss last week there? Another noon game, South Carolina and Ole Miss. Can South Carolina keep up with that Ole Miss? The game has a potential to be a pretty good shootout, I think, here. So 3.30, the SEC East, pretty much de facto championship game. Georgia and Kentucky. Georgia after the, uh, beating Florida last week. Kentucky after beating Missouri. Uh, actually, it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, Kentucky, this game still if would have been for, for the SEC East, uh, given if Kentucky would have lost to Missouri anyway. So now they have a little bit more playroom. Uh, it sets up this game to be a winner-take-all uh, there since uh, both teams only have one loss in this head-to-head matchup there. So 3.30, CBS, uh, the first game of their doubleheader is Georgia and Kentucky. At 4 o'clock is Florida hosting Missouri and also at 4 o'clock. Charlotte and Tennessee, and then the night games, Louisiana Tech, Mississippi State, and then, of course, the big one, 8 o'clock on CBS, number one, Alabama, number three, LSU. Big game, big game there, and we'll see uh, how LSU responds to uh, you know, loss to Florida, beating Georgia, and then some bye week, and then um, hosting the Crimson Tide. We'll see. I think Alabama wins pretty comfortably in that one. I don't think uh, – that's not a slide at LSU. <laughs> That's a, uh, I'm, I'm picking Alabama to beat everybody uh, <laughs> this year and uh, by a pretty good margin uh, as well. So definitely two, guy, two games to keep an eye on there. Georgia and Kentucky, Alabama, LSU, pretty much lets us know who's going to be playing in Atlanta the first week of December in the SEC championship game uh, when, when it's all said and done on Saturday. And then uh, probably on Sunday we'll get to know for sure uh, the kickoff time for Florida and South Carolina the next week. So, guys, thanks for uh, joining me here and, and catching catching this uh, Florida-Missouri preview. Thanks to Gabe DeArmond, of course, for his uh, Missouri knowledge and, and joining me here and, and giving a really good preview uh, of Missouri and uh, what to look for when these two teams match up in the Swamp on Saturday. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.